Ramona Shelburne, we're a little less than a month away from the in-season soap opera, uh, which I like to call it. It's the trade deadline. And uh, before we get into those possibilities, I wanted to talk about a couple of trades that had already happened and basically check in on them. And the first one being Damian Lillard going to Milwaukee. They've managed to win a lot of games, but in some of the games that they've lost, don't look like an elite team sometimes. How has that deal worked out so far in your eyes? Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, it's been great. Right? <laughs> if you if you uh, if you watch the Bucks, they score a lot of points. It's been fun. We've had a couple of Dame time moments already throughout the year. Two to tie, three to win. Five point two left. No timeouts left for the Bucks. Here comes Dame. Three seconds. Dame pulls. Defensively, it has been a disaster. Feels like the right word. I mean, you know, they're they're sort of towards the bottom of the league in defense, and a team that had been built on defense with two guys who have been in Defensive Player of the Year conversations frequently in Brook Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean that that defense should be better than it is, but every night they're sort of they're re- routinely giving up 130, 140 points, and it's it's a question of can they outscore their opponents every night? Damian Lillard is not known as a great defensive player, and he's certainly not been terrible for them on that side of the ball, but he's just not as good as Drew Holiday. Right, and I think there is a part of that deal that we all skimmed over when it first happened, which was it's not just that you're adding Damian Lillard, you're taking away one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA and a guy who made all of it work for the Milwaukee Bucks. And he ends up with the team that is probably your biggest rival in the Eastern Conference in the Boston Celtics. Right. Well, that was the transaction that the Bucks made. So on that end of the trade, is that so far been the most impactful with Drew Holiday on the Celtics? I mean, you could argue that Drew Holiday going to the Celtics has been more impactful than Damian Lillard going to the Bucks. So far. So far, right? I mean, that's... Hmm. The reason why you go get Dame Lillard is because in the playoffs, Giannis needs help. Giannis cannot score and defend and do everything for the Bucks. And Dame is a superstar in his own right. And so this will be incomplete until we see how they perform in a playoff series and see where they both end up this year. But thus far, Drew Holiday has slid right into that Boston defense and made an impact. And I think Boston, to me, has been one of the stories of this first half because there was a lot of us, myself included, who thought they were really going to miss the leadership of Marcus Smart, who, who wondered what would happen when... Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown kind of lost their two best friends on the team. That's Grant Williams going to Dallas. That's Marcus Smart going to Memphis. And we're just flat out wrong. <laughs> they, they, they're they great. <laughs> that feels like the team in the Eastern Conference and maybe the NBA that everybody is chasing because of how well that group fits together and can play together when they're at their top strength. Okay, so don't mind me. I will not point out the one team that knocked them both out of the playoffs last year and whether they can do it again this year. I will step aside from the Miami Heat. No, you absolutely should point out the Miami Heat because 
the Heat. I have no idea who's on their team half the time. Like, who, <laughs> like, like they've their top eight guys have played a couple of just a couple of games together. Jimmy Butler's been out half the year or whatever, and they're still middle middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference, lurking, always lurking, and and always lurking, always there. And just like we always forget about them because they they're just not a regular season team. Like right. they're not built for the regular season. But that team, gosh darn it, <laughs> gosh darn it. <laughs> All right. The Miami Heat is just always lurking in the periphery and no one wants to play them. And if you think about the the matchups that we've seen in the playoffs the last four or five years, nobody's afraid of each other. They've all beat each other. And the one team that always seems to keep rising to the top is the Miami Heat going to the finals two of the last four years. As we reach the midpoint of the NBA season, the next milestone is February's NBA trade deadline. And that often raises more questions than answers. Should the Sixers make a move in a wide open Eastern Conference? Is Chicago's Zach Levine the answer for another franchise? And is there another blockbuster trade looming on the horizon? So today, Ramona Shelburne joins us to break down all the possibilities and also honor the tragic loss of a beloved Warriors coach. I'm Israel Gutierrez. It's Friday, January 19th. This is ESPN Daily. Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Okay, Ramona, last year we got a blockbuster of a trade at the deadline. It was Kevin Durant going from Brooklyn to Phoenix, which changed the look of both conferences, Eastern and Western. Are there any trades that massive you see going down this year? It doesn't on the surface feel like it because, you know, we just saw a big trade this week with Pascal Siakam going from Toronto to the Indiana Pacers. He's going to team up with Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, that's going to be a great duo for for years to come if if he resigns there this this offseason. So that felt like the biggest name that was going to move. But uh, and I and I give you a, a nice caveat. There are three weeks until trade deadline day. And I can name you four or five teams right now that are trying to decide, are we good enough? And a lot of them are big marquee teams like the Los Angeles Lakers, the Golden State Warriors, the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers, if you look at them from the outside, would say, okay, just, you know, add one more peripheral player, add one more guy, and save your cap space for the summer. But 
Joel Embiid is having a better year than he did last year when he won the MVP. Tyrese Maxey's blossomed. But they have all this cap space next summer. And the thing about cap space is that you don't have to use it on a free agent. Hmm. You can take a really quality player into your cap space. And the Sixers are the team that I that I look out across the league and say, that is one to watch. So who are the teams that are that would potentially move big big players, big names? Um, look at the bottom of the standings. Right. <laughs> look at look at look at teams that rank in that seven to ten range. So uh, that's Atlanta, that's the Warriors. Um, there's teams that have to decide we're spending all this money and on a team that is struggling. And I think they have to make a call one way or the other, whether or not they should try to win this year or use this moment in time to reset things. Yeah. Let's look at these players that we've heard are available maybe for the last several weeks. And I'll start with Zach Levine from the Chicago Bulls. Zach Levine is a guy who maybe didn't fit in with the Chicago Bulls roster, and it's been showing over the last couple of seasons. And now he's rumored to be on the trade block. What's the latest on him? Yeah, I mean, I think Zach Levine is one of the more interesting names out there because he's obviously you know, an all-star. He can light it up. He can score for anybody, anytime. And there's questions about his ability on the defensive side of the ball. We've, we've, we just had that discussion about Damian Lillard too, right? What mm-hmm. are you trading for a one-way player, especially one that makes as much money as Zach Levine does when, when you do it for Damian Lillard, this is a guy who is a perennial all NBA player who has won in the playoffs, elevated every team he's ever been on. And so it's easier to make that leap and say, okay, we'll figure out the defensive part of it later. It's harder with Zach Levine. Like his teams have not won. And how much of that is him? How much of that is the organization, his teammates? That's in the eye of the beholder. But I will point you to another discussion that we had at the time and Christoph Porzingis, okay? When they when the Boston Celtics trade for Christoph Porzingis, a lot of us were like, huh, fallen unicorn. I mean, he had a nice year in Washington, but that was not a team that was winning. Right. Um, when he played for the Mavericks, I think his reputation took a hit. Um, based off of what happened in those playoffs and just the the awkward fit and connection between him and Luca and Rick Carlisle's usage of him, et cetera. It was it was not a good good run for him there in Dallas. And, you know, I thought Jason Kidd did a nice job building his confidence back up. But his skill set is really in the eye of the beholder. Like if you look at Porzingis, there's a reason why Kevin Durant nicknamed him the unicorn earlier in his career. And the Boston Celtics were able to have the vision to see how he would fit into their team, how he would elevate their team. And when you watch Porzingis with the Celtics now, you're like, oh, why didn't everybody else do that? Yeah. <laughs> why didn't everybody else see that? And so I, I I think the same thing could be true of Zach Levine. I've always thought he was a really talented player. I, I watch all those real estate shows. I don't know if you do, but you got to have the vision, right? <laughs> you walk into an empty house and you have to be able to have the vision of what this player could be on in the right environment with the right supporting cast. On that note, Ramona, it feels like the house has to fit you too, right? And in that case, Correct. I say that because Porzingis is not scoring as much as he did, let's say last year or you know other parts of his career. But you watch what Jason Tatum is doing, you watch what Jalen Brown is doing, and it's sort of sharing the wealth, kind of what Marcus Smart wanted the entire time he was there. 
And it feels like, oh, okay, Porzingis is fine giving up some of the individual success because the team is ready. And that's what you could argue with Philadelphia. If you get a scorer like Zach Levine, he does not have to average 25. But the threat of Zach Levine is way different on the Philadelphia 76ers than he is on the Chicago Bulls. Right. And, and a team like the Los Angeles Lakers. We talked about the, the Lakers as a team that last year they were kind of the winners of the trade deadline. In the offseason, I think they were hailed by most of us in the media as the winners of the offseason. They they sort of doubled down on the depth and team building that they they went through and, and got away from star chasing. And yet, here the Lakers are at the middle midway point of the season, 20 and 21, at the exact halfway point, which is one game better than they were last year when they still had Russell Westbrook. And there's thought in L.A., like, okay, is this a tweak at the margin situation or is this a go star chasing, <laughs> right? Right. Zach Levine's name has come up. DeJounte Murray's name has come up. They, they they clearly need help at that point guard position because LeBron James is is many things, but it's still just too much to put on him. Yeah. It is. And, and you've seen the effects of the load LeBron James has been carrying the last month or so, ever since the midseason tournament. And I think it's, um, you see that in Steph Curry, you know, these these all-time greats. They can do a lot. They can carry your team for a while, but it there's a shelf life to that. Like, even the all-time greats will, will wilt right. at some point when they don't have enough help around them. And you mentioned a name in DeJounte Murray, another guy who is sort of on the fringe of all-star status, mm -hmm. uh, came from San Antonio and is with Atlanta, Atlanta being one of those teams that is disappointing again. Where do you see DeJounte Murray moving? Is he a good fit for any of these teams that need, as you mentioned, that additional piece of offensive help? I think he is another one who is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, if you watch him play, he has the ability to be a good defensive player. He's quick, he's athletic, he's got speed. He's the kind of point guard that would elevate any team around him. He plays with Trey Young, so he's sort of in a different role playing alongside of him. Mm -hmm. um, and it just hasn't worked out the way they thought. It just It just hasn't gone that way. And I think DeJounte Murray is one of those impact players, especially on the contract he's on, where he's there are going to be a lot of suitors for him and he will have a lot of value around the league. Ramona, we've talked about some of the possibilities here, but what are the realities that could keep some of these super teams from acquiring a player they seem to desperately need? Yeah, that's that's the issue when you have these super teams is that you've given up so many assets to build the super team and you're sort of hamstrung by this second apron that we all talk about. It's going to become a household phrase over the next few years because your favorite teams are running up against the second apron, right? The second apron is code word for hard cap. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it just means that if you go over that second apron, it's not about how rich your owner is. And it doesn't matter. You still don't want to go over it. second apron is impenetrable. It's, yeah. and, and, you, and you don't want to go over that second apron because you it so severely restricts your ability to build the team. You cannot make moves afterwards. It's like you're you're operating in a flak jacket. And there's a couple of teams that are Right, up, right in it right now or on it or close to it. And they all have to ask themselves a the question, you know, do we have enough to where uh, we can risk it? Because what you have in your team is you're going to be limited to that. 
if you go over that second apron. Coming up, how former lottery teams have flipped the script this season. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from $25 and under to, say, $100 and below. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So, what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ramona, moving over to the Cavaliers, the noise seems to have died down, but there were rumors that Donovan Mitchell wanted out of Cleveland. Are there any chances he pushed a team to make a big move for him? Well, you know, we heard his name a couple of years ago because he's from New York and there's always all the all the chatter about the Knicks and, and they did engage in trade discussions for him um, before they went and got Jalen Brunson. But I think, I think that Jalen Brunson experiment has been wildly successful for the New York Knicks. I think there is a discussion to be had for the Cavs about Donovan Mitchell because he can leave in the offseason if he doesn't extend. And they have to decide. They gave up so much to get him. You know, can you risk that? Do you do you want to work with him on a sign and trade? Or is there a potential of that? Do you feel good about him staying long-term? So the Cavs are one of those teams, and Mitchell is one of those players that I think we all have to watch very closely and is we're kind of getting to that point in the league where some of these teams that had been perennial lottery teams mm-hmm. who had not been buyers at the deadline are all of a sudden sneaking into the conversation and they have all the assets in the league, right? I mean, if you look at the Oklahoma City Thunder right now, the Thunder have been hoarding draft picks like the tightest player at the poker table you've ever seen. Right. Like they have all the picks. They have so many picks, they can't even use them. Like, they, they don't have enough roster spots to even keep all these picks. They've done such a good job of rebuilding in Oklahoma City after the Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook era ended. And it's happened 
faster than maybe most of us thought. I mean, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is an MVP candidate this year. Yeah. Chet Holmgren is probably going to be Rookie of the Year. That pairing feels special for years to come. And I think they have a nice supporting cast around them to where you could argue the best thing to do is actually nothing. Like, don't don't bring in a big name. But we're to a stage now where these teams that had been in the lottery year after year after year are now the teams that might be buying instead of selling. Yeah. I mean, the Knicks were among those teams. Yep. And now they, as you mentioned, got in on OG Ananobi and seem like they've fixed themselves as a significant threat in the Eastern Conference, but there's still discussion that they might want to make another move to get a big name to really elevate themselves. And I wanted to ask you about a team that seems like it has cashed in on some of its assets and seems to have possibly made that leap into, I don't know, the top four in the Eastern Conference, and that's the Indiana Pacers. They already have Tyrese Halliburton, who has become a superstar, and hopefully that hamstring injury isn't something that lingers. They just traded for Pascal Siakam, another all-star, who sort of fills in a lot of gaps for them. Defensively, he fits in because he runs the floor especially well. And they obviously have Rick Carlisle, a championship-level head coach. For a market like Indiana, yes, they gave up three first-rounders. To me, that doesn't even matter. To have two legitimate all-stars in the fold and a coach who can win a championship, mm -hmm. it seems like they're all of a sudden in one of their small windows where they can win a championship. How far away are the Pacers now in your eyes? I mean, especially in this Eastern Conference where outside of the Celtics and Bucks, it's hard to point to somebody you think is the favorite. I mean, I, right. I we're going to get people excited, okay? I'm sorry to, sorry to bring this up, but... I could make an argument the Knicks could contend this year, right? And the way that they've been playing and getting Ananobi to that team and Halliburton to me, matchup wise, like with him and Siakam, if they gel together quickly, which I think they will, the East is as wide open a conference as I have seen in years. And it, it feels like. If you think you have a chance, if you think you're one player away, if you think there's a superstar for you to go out and get, this is the year to do that in the Eastern Conference. I think the Pacers could even do more before the trade deadline. They have a couple of young players that people really like. They have Buddy Heald, who's on an expiring deal. There's there's still more they can do if they want to just go for it. Right. Sometimes people go for it and they regret it later and they spend years digging out from it. But it's always better to take the shot. I, you know, I remember talking to... The, the Clippers after they, they traded for James Harden and said, essentially, you know, in this league, you only get so many cracks at it. And when you have talent and you, you have a talent like James Harden, you just got to go for it. You just got to try, right? Because yeah. there's, you know, it's, it's one thing to try and hope things change if you have middling talent. But if you have superstar level talent, you never know what could happen in, in a playoff series You never, or in a playoff run. Look at the Pacers going all the way to the in-season tournament final. Well, no team was a better example of going for it and striking gold than the Toronto Raptors, who went for it with Kawhi Leonard yeah. and won a championship. It signals now that they are sort of ending that run and sort of cashing in on maybe some assets that they have currently what does this mean about the Raptors situation right now? Can they turn it around quickly or is this going to be a longer run of rebuild? You know, I actually think they're going to turn it around quickly. I don't think they lose that much hmm. because they've gotten, a, they've acquired a lot of good assets. They didn't just trade OG Ananobi for draft picks. They got RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. 
those guys slid right in there and were great. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing that that has happened for the Toronto Raptors this year, outside of parting ways with those two two players and Siakam and Ananobi, is that Scotty Barnes has resurrected himself and made the proverbial leap. You know, he was the rookie of the year two years ago. Last year was a bit of a down year. I think the league kind of caught up to him. He he regressed a little bit last year. But this year has been the third year leap that everybody was expecting and hoping a player like him would make. And I I think they just looked at Scotty and said, okay, that's our guy. Like, we don't have to hold on to the past any longer. We've got our next superstar. And he has been everything they wanted and more. Plus, getting three draft picks for a guy on an expiring contract is, is pretty good. Yeah. Like, they, they got a pretty good haul for both of the players that they that teams have been trying to trade for for years. So at the end here, Ramona, we need to pivot to some sad news about the passing of Golden State Warriors assistant coach Dejan Milojevic. News of his death was reported on Wednesday. That day's game between the Warriors and Jazz was postponed. What do you know about how all this has impacted the team? This was one of the worst calls that I've gotten in quite some time. Um, late Tuesday night after the the first incident happened at the restaurant. So the Warriors were they were out at one of their team dinners. We we always talk about those team dinners that they go on the road where the ownership buys out the restaurant and it's just the, it's just the team and. And this was a point in the season where, you know, the Warriors have really been struggling this year. They just lost in Memphis, probably their worst loss of the season. And I think their the idea was let's have some camaraderie. Let's all get together. Let's have a team dinner and everybody get together. And in the middle of this dinner, um, you know, Dehan just slumped over and and it looks like he had a, a massive heart attack. And it was uh, everybody, everybody with Golden State was really shook up. That, that we spoke to. And, and when we first heard about it, it sounded very serious. You never know in these situations how, how serious something is. You know, we have such great advances in, in medicine and it sounded like they got him to the hospital pretty quickly, but it, it sounded very serious. And everyone you talked to there sounded very serious about it. And, and, I, and I, I just, I can't imagine everyone being there when this happened. Right. This is a very shocking thing for the whole team to experience together and not to mention the international basketball community because he is he's a giant figure in Serbian basketball and in international basketball. He's one of the coaches who made Nikola Jokic coming out of Serbia. He he co- he, he had a long and distinguished playing career. In Europe, and then he became the coach at a, a one of the big basketball teams in Serbia. It's called Mega, um, and he he worked with Jokic on his way up. And he's had a, he's a very popular guy with the Warriors all around the league. Anybody who who knows anybody in in Serbian basketball is just absolutely devastated to learn of this. I and mean, he's forty six years old. Like this is <laughs> this is it, it, there's just no way to put into context how tragic this this situation is. Yeah, and the Warriors are one of those teams, and many do it, that really promote the family atmosphere. So it must be very jarring for that team and everybody involved. But thank you very much, Ramona, for your time. Thanks, Is. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily. Our show is produced by Bruce Baldwin, Ashley Brown, Bradford Craig, Andrew Hahn, Alexander Hyacinth, Ryan Nantel, Mike Philbrick, and Phoebe Untermann. Special thanks to Jackson Agello. We'll talk to you Monday.